Good morning. Welcome to BRN Weekly for Saturday, September 3rd, 2022. It's been another great week of shows with great guests and, of course, great topics. We kicked off the week with a look at physician shortages in certain specialties. Let's take a look. We are not doing nearly as well as we need to do. And that's only likely to get worse for at least the next 15 to 20 years. So why aren't we doing as well? Are we not attracting enough people to go through med school, to go through the the lengthy process of becoming a physician? What are some of the barriers uh, for staffing? Well, the main sort of barrier to um, producing more physicians in this country, as it were, is the the number of training slots for graduate medical education. I mean, I, I don't mean to get sort of too nerdy with the terminology, et cetera, it's but okay. when you're training to be a physician, first you go to medical school and then you have to do a residency. And that's usually when you train in the specialty that you're going to go into, right? And so we speak of residency slots. You know, the number of residency slots sort of determines how many new physicians you're going to have every year because, you know, that that's how many can train in their specialty and then finish the residency and become practicing physicians. I mean, they're considered doctors while they're residents, but you really need to complete your residency before you're an active completely done with your training physician. And there is a cap on the number of those residency slots that Medicare funds that was put in place in 1997. And there there were a few new few thousand new slots added a couple of years ago, but that's once and once only over the past 97, 2000, well, 25 years. There are other limited ways that new residency slots can be created, but that's the main thing. Congress needs to pass legislation expanding the number of slots that Medicare will fund, and then the president needs to sign it into law. One way to think about it is um, the way we do it, we put out reports regularly projecting the future supply and demand of physicians, right? And you know we can't do that for every single specialty because there are more than 200 physician specialties. That would just be too much. So we look at four main specialty groups. Right? One, primary care. I think everybody pretty much knows what that is. And the other is the surgical specialty. So surgeons, yeah, that makes the most sense. Then we look at medical specialties. Um, and those are, you know, a lot of other specialties, generally folks who train in general internal medicine, but then go on to subspecializing, you know, cardiology and so on are in there. And then there's you know, one more specialty group that gets the lovely label of other specialties, which is anybody who doesn't fit in the first three, right? And in for all four specialty groups, um, we're projecting shortages. So it's an across the board kind of thing, um, you know. Primary care, yes. Surgical specialties, yes. Medical specialty, all the other specialties. We're projecting shortages in all of them. And because you're asking specifically about retirees and the aging population, it is the specialties that an aging population needs most about which we're more, most concerned. Um, the, the aging population and the conditions they're most likely to have, and especially, um, you know, 
as we get older, we tend to have multiple chronic conditions. And so the specialists that deal with them, then you add in, you mentioned specifically obesity, which is just such a huge problem in this country, you know. And if you if if you if you suffer from obesity, then you generally have other conditions too. And yeah. the older you get, the more you'll develop. So, all of the specialists who help with all those conditions are exactly the ones that we're most concerned about. So, yeah, I mean, you didn't even need to ask me the question. You already knew where the problem was. Next up, we discussed avoiding bad oral health and dental hygiene habits. Let's take a look. Using a soft bristle toothbrush, I cannot emphasize the importance of that. Um, using anything more than extra soft or soft bristles can really actually do a lot of damage to the enamel and the gum tissues. Um, it, it doesn't take a lot to um, start to thin the enamel, which is the outer coating of our teeth. And once we lose uh, that, unfortunately, it doesn't regenerate on its own. Um, so using a soft bristle toothbrush helps us uh, to be able to control some of that. But um, in that same token, you know, you, you do need enough pressure. Um, it is recommended to use an electric toothbrush, which also I do now encourage my patients to make sure the toothbrush bristles on electric say soft too, because I'm seeing that they sometimes sell medium bristles. Um, so yes, just um, doing enough, but not too much and being too aggressive so we can maintain a healthy balance of the, the tissues and especially the enamel surrounding our teeth. Uh, without flossing on a regular basis, you should be flossing every day, once, twice a day, depending on what you're eating. Um, we're leaving, you know, up to half of the buildup that we can accrue in our mouth there. And a lot of people are not aware of that. Uh, so it is important to get um, tools like uh, floss in between and under the gum lines to help uh, remove that plaque, which is essentially a lot of bacteria, a way to keep the gum tissues and the teeth healthy. Um, it is better if you can use the string floss. Um, and also some people do have challenges flossing, which is really important. So look at water flossers, water picks. Um, they will help do um, very similar um, outcome. They help to flush out to do the same thing, essentially. I like to use yes. both, but um, at least using one of those would be um, essential for you know, your routine care. Kind of makes me feel like nails on the chalkboard when I when I see these things occasionally. Um, I've even seen the one with the um, magic eraser cleaning scrub. And it is a home cleaning sponge that is to help uh, remove stain and there is a there was a challenge at one time or people were showing themselves doing that and that is um, really dangerous actually for the health of the teeth it can not only are you putting dangerous chemicals in your mouth you are removing uh, the layers of the enamel again and you're just putting your teeth in harm's way essentially so definitely do not feed into any of those because it can be uh, very hard. 
Well, we're halfway through and we come back. The other half of our best segments for the week. You're going to want to stay tuned right here on BRN Weekly. Imagine a new television network that will make you richer, healthier, and in control of your financial future. This network is for the policewoman in Nashville, Tennessee, the baker in Dubuque, Iowa, the teacher in Lexington, Kentucky. We want to make the idea of savings and retirement culturally relevant. But what do you see as a defining issue of the midterms? Especially for the smaller businesses. I mean, they are the lifeblood of the American economy. Featuring exclusive interviews, current affairs, and docu-series. 33 yeah. years old, you retired early. The philosophy is money only matters if it helps you live a life that you love. But you gotta start thinking about retirement as soon as you get in. The Broadcast Retirement Network will drive very high engagement with premium partnerships. So this isn't retirement and savings for your parents or grandparents. This is for all Americans. And we're gonna change the way you think about money. Welcome to the next frontier of retirement and savings. This is BRN, the Broadcast Retirement Network. Are you stuck with a low credit score? A credit report and score that's causing you to be denied credit or pay higher interest rates than others for the same things? Then do what Terrence did and called Credit Repair for your free credit evaluation to help restore your credit. I started thinking about buying a new house and my score wasn't where I needed it to be. I called and spoke with one of the representatives and we just had a good conversation and I, I liked what he was saying. Just one call for his free credit evaluation was all it took to start back on the track to repairing his credit. I'm seeing the deletions and I'm getting the report so I know something's being done. It does make a difference to me. All it takes is one call to get started. Credit repair has given me a second chance to have a better credit score. Don't let a low credit score hold you back another day. Do what Terrence did and make the call for your free credit evaluation. Call 800-819-4152. That's 800-819-4152. Again, 800-819-4152. Welcome back. Next up, we discussed using life insurance for paying off some of that debt. Let's take a look. Well, um, the answer to your question is it depends. <laughs> it depends. Right, well, that, that's helpful. No, I'm kidding. It depends on the type of life insurance you own. If you're trying to reduce the current debt by taking money from a life insurance policy, you can't do that with a term policy. You can do it with a cash value permanent policy. There's a whole cross section of various types of policies that are available. And certainly you can access the cash value from a life insurance policy and in, in several different ways. You can withdraw money depending on the policy. Uh, you could withdraw dividends if you have a dividend paying policy and you could do both of those as long as, well, in the case of the withdrawal as well as the case of the dividends, as long as your 
uh, withdrawal amount does not exceed your basis, basis meaning the sum of money that's been paid into the policy, then you can do those uh, those two types of uh, withdrawals on a tax-free basis. So you right. can access money totally tax-free from life insurance policies where you have substantial value at no cost, uh, no current cost. Beyond right, so that, I'm sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, finish your thought. I interrupted you. It's like, you know. Thank you. I'm not a good being a good, good son or an interviewer for that matter. Beyond that, um, you can borrow against the life insurance policy. You can, um, and, and what you will want to do is you, you can make a loan um, up to probably not exceeding 90 to 95% of the available cash in the policy. Um, you just need to contact the insurer to make sure you can make the loan. Most most cash value policies provide for loan provisions and check on, on the interest cost. You wouldn't want to do that if the interest cost exceeds the cost of the, the debt that you currently have. So if you have credit card debt, in all likelihood, you're paying a large uh, interest rate. If it's mortgage debt or, or personal loan debt or things of that nature, it could well be advantageous to borrow money from a life policy to reduce debt um, and thereby lower your interest rate costs. Beyond that, just to keep going, you could surrender a policy. And that is just totally turn the policy back into the insurance company and take all the cash value that's been accumulated dividends if it's a dividend paying policy and use the money as you see fit. There's no constraints on how you would use that money. You need to be cautious because in many cases with older policies, you could have a taxable gain if you do that. And that gain would be taxed at ordinary income rates. So it could push you into a much higher tax bracket potentially. Yeah. Okay. One more thought. Yeah, go ahead, go ahead. Because oh, there are a range of options. The other is if you have a, a policy, and this would apply to a term policy as well as a cash value policy. If you have a policy that you no longer want or need, you could potentially sell that policy um, to a, they're called life settlements. You could sell that policy to a life settlement company and potentially get more out of that policy than you otherwise would get if you just ended the policy and or just surrendered the policy. Uh, again, there's taxation involved on gain, but nevertheless, if you don't want the policy and the policy is, is such that you could get more for it than, than you would otherwise get if you ended the policy by surrender or just termination, it's another route to explore. But I think you would surrender or you would sell the policy if you no longer wanted the insurance, right? So because you have no need for the death benefit any longer, um, so those are two options. You could sell the policy, you could surrender the policy. The issue of, of whether and what the process is and the decision-making process, if I borrow and so forth or withdraw money, I think is really what's the most economically feasible. Um, because you must remember if you withdraw money from a life insurance policy and or if you borrow money, the amount that you borrow or withdraw is gonna reduce the death benefit. So, for example, if you have a $100,000 policy and you borrow $25,000 and subsequently pass away, $75,000 is going to be paid to your beneficiary. So I think part of the process is how important is the life insurance in my overall plan? Can I really afford to reduce my life insurance or should I look to other alternatives to, to acquire the money to reduce debt?
everyone uh, or each individual has a unique set of circumstances. We have lots of people out there who are living paycheck to paycheck. They're not going to have the resources, other resources to look to. In all likelihood, they're not going to have large cash value life insurance policies. So they're going to have to seek their own remedy to their situation. Uh, more affluent people may look to life insurance as, as a source of borrowing. Um, it's, it's, it's so individualized, it's hard to give you a generalized answer to that. But you wouldn't go through this entire process of figuring out, should I access my life insurance policies values without a thorough examination of other alternatives? Do I have other money? Um, for example, maybe I have money in a savings account at very low interest. I might be better off using that or some portion of it rather than borrowing money from an insurance company at four, five, six percent. So it's a process. I wouldn't I would look to other uh, professionals where you can, including your insurance person, your accountant and so forth, perhaps your attorney, your financial advisor, if you have one to say, what are my choices? What are my alternatives? How do I figure out what's best for me to do? I have this big credit card debt I'm paying very large sums of money uh, in terms of interest. Um, if I could only reduce my interest rate, if I did nothing else, I'd be way ahead of the game. So I think that's the process you have to go through. And finally, are you eligible for loan forgiveness? Well, we discussed. Let's take a look. Let me just be clear that at this point, we are still waiting for a lot of additional guidance. But here's what we know so far. Uh, if you have federal student loans, uh, especially if you have federal direct loans, and that doesn't matter if it's a Stafford loan or a Graduate PLUS loan or a Parent PLUS loan you took out for your children, then you are potentially eligible for this forgiveness, even if the loan's in default. Now, Perkins loans and the old Federal Family Education Loan Program loans, uh, we, we believe are going to be eligible, but those we are waiting for further guidance as to whether these people will have to consolidate to get the eligibility or not. Um, so to be clear, they should just hang tight. Now, the other piece to the eligibility is your income. In order to get this uh, forgiveness... Is that your phone? That's a yeah. very interesting ring that you have, Betsy. Please tell, before you go into that, just tell us a little bit about your ring. Um, well, that was a text alert. It's a loon, the bird, a loon. Okay. Very, um, very cool. Anyway, so but if we have time at the end, if the time at the end, ask me about another alert I have, and that's related to this forgiveness uh, story. Okay. So anyway, um, I apologize. Rookie no, you mistake. are so fun. I love, I love talk. We love talking to you, Betsy. Rookie mistake. But um, so <laughs> you're no rookie for single, <clears throat> excuse me, for single uh, tax filers, your income needs to be below, uh, your adjusted gross income needs to be below 125000 in either the tax years 2020 or 2021 in order to qualify for the 10000 in forgiveness. For married households or head of households, the income has to be, the adjusted gross income has to be below 250000 Now, as a bonus, if you ever received a Pell Grant, um, that forgiveness can go up to 20000 Now, the income thresholds remain the same, but you could actually get up to 20000 forgiven. Um, the Department of Education has said that they plan to have additional guidance as well as the process um, that people will need to go through within a couple weeks. They've been ready for this for a while. Uh, so I believe that it will, we'll have it by October, I'm pretty confident. 
Uh, in general, if you, we think the way it's going to work is that if you've applied for an income-driven plan or filled out the FAFSA in the last two years, you're, pro you're the one who's probably not going to have to do anything, but sit back, put your patient's pants on, and wait for it to happen. <laughs> now, to be clear, while the process we think is going to be open by October, it's going to take a minute for them to get through the 40 million uh, 40 million plus federal student loan borrowers that are potentially eligible for this. So that doesn't mean your forgiveness is going to happen in October. It might not happen till December. It might not happen till January. Um, again, patience is going to be the thing because there is not going to be any way to accelerate when you actually get the forgiveness. Uh, last year, the year before, Congress uh, at least temporarily ended the taxation of student loan forgiveness. And that runs at this point through the end of 2025. There are some states that are going to tax it, however. Uh, unfortunately, I can't tell you which states it is, uh, but there are a few that, that are going to tax it, unless they, I, unless they make a quick change. I think the best place to, because we're not tax experts, we're just student loan nerds. So the best place is to check your <laughs> own state uh, state revenue website. And that wraps up this episode of BRN Weekly. Have a topic of interest, someone you think we should talk to, drop us a line. And don't forget, for all the latest curated news in lifestyle, wellness, finance, tech, entertainment, so much more, all in one place, check out today's edition of our daily newsletter, The Morning Pulse. Want to search our archives, check out our latest content? Well, visit our website and, of course, our over 300 streaming platform partners. We're back again tomorrow, this time for BRN Sunday. I'll be joined by members of the Media Financial Services and academia as we analyze all the news and events for the week. Until then, I'm Jeff Snyder. Stay safe, keep on saving, and don't forget, roll with the changes. Now is your opportunity to co-create content around any topic on the first lifestyle and wellness network. Reach a global audience through our platform and co-own exclusive branded content. All of our programs are available on demand and also as audio-only podcasts so you can take us on the go. Broadcast Retirement Network, available anytime, anywhere, and on any device.